Welcome to the In and Around Pleasant Hill podcast with Alex Cotodad, a successful real estate business owner and a lifelong resident of the East Bay, who received a Hometown Hero Award for his Facebook group, In and Around Pleasant Hill Food and Drinks, saving local restaurants during the pandemic. His new podcast will provide inspiring success stories and educational takeaways from local business owners and community leaders, helping listeners get from where they are to where they want to be. Hope everybody's doing well. Welcome to episode number nine of In and Around Pleasant Hill podcast with Alex Kodidat. And um, in this episode, uh, my guest speaker is James. James, how do I pronounce your last name? Calleja. So if you're not a Spanish speaker, it can be kind of tricky, but I like tongue twisting people anyway. So just give it your best shot. There you go. Calleja's with IPX 1031 Exchange. And as always, do me a favor, subscribe and let your friends know about my new podcast. I hope to make these podcasts an inspirational and educational journey for all by me interviewing local business owners, community leaders, and ordinary people doing extraordinary things. So again, welcome, James. I appreciate you that you've given, you know, spending the next 20 to 25 minutes and and kind of uh, diving into uh, a topic that I'm very fascinated about, 1031 exchange. But um, really quickly for our listeners and obviously our viewers too, because this will also go onto our YouTube channel. You want to tell us a little about you, your background, please? Yeah. So I'm born and raised San Francisco. So I'm a local boy. Uh, Went to St. Ignatius in the Sunset District of San Francisco. So all around me, I've just been infused with different types of cultures and um, learning opportunities, which have been fantastic. And then I crossed the Bay for college and went to Berkeley. And I found myself as a young adult, really not knowing what I was going to do because I majored in psychology. So to get away from any temptations, because I had a lot of friends that like to do a lot of fun things, I ventured down to Southern California, applied at a lot of spots, and I ended up working at Merrill Lynch. And boy, um, it's really tough and I got to tell you, this is like 35 years ago. No, 25 years ago, not 35, 25 years ago. And I looked really young back then. And trying to get people to invest with you and look at the picture of what you're going to do for their portfolio at that young looking age, no matter how much knowledge you have, was really difficult and frustrating. So I made a deal with my mom and I said, Mom, look, I know you guys don't want me here anymore because, well, you with me in college and high school. But here's the plan. Let me come back home live there for free. I'm sorry, but I'm your kid. So I'm hoping you're going to agree to that and save up to buy a house before I turn 30. So I came back and I had a brief stint at Wells Fargo, kind of doing the same thing at Merrill Lynch, but more where they're feeding your clients, but it really wasn't my calling, Alex. So I had somebody call me up and say, Hey, what are you doing for work right now? And I explained to them, they go, are you happy? I go, I'm not sad, but this isn't really my thing. They go, I want you to come over and interview over here. Then I met with this crazy attorney really cool really crazy really smart and he goes okay well you were referred by raquel so i'm gonna meet with you and first question do you know what a 1031 exchange is i don't even know what you're talking about and he goes you're hired (laughs) i see see that you went to berkeley you're a friend of raquel we can teach you from the bottom up and i got into something like i had no clue what i was doing but i know i didn't like where i was at and i came to find out that this is really a 
kind of cool gig. I mean, when I started, it was just processing paperwork and kind of like getting my feet wet and learning what a 1031 exchange was. But when I found out that I could actually get people to sell something and buy something without, without having to pay taxes, and, and I, I had no idea that taxes were so high. And I had no idea that California was like the highest in the nation. I had no idea that like every dollar that you make on real estate, you're probably given 30 to 40 cents back. It's like huge. And the more I learned about it, I'm like, okay. So everybody told me that the 1031 exchange is not about paying taxes, but, or is about not paying taxes rather. But I've come to learn that it's actually like getting rid of a property that no longer works for you into something better. Yeah. You don't pay the tax. So I, I found that uh, intriguing. I mean, I better have, I'm doing this for 23 years now. And I thought it was really cool because it's the, it's the phone call that got me um, where people call me like, do you mean I don't have to pay a cent and at the time it was gray Davis. I don't have to pay a cent to gray Davis. I don't have to pay a cent to, to president Bush I don't have to pay a cent to anybody and I get to put this money elsewhere because I've been selling stocks and I always have to pay taxes. And I go, yeah, that's the really cool thing about what I do. I get people in a position where they can unload something, buy something else and not have to pay up, pay anything in taxes. So, I mean, like that's, if you call it an origin story, it was really weird. I had no idea what I was getting into. I came back, by the way, I did save up by the time I was 30 to go buy a piece of property, not in San Francisco, that wasn't happening, but in the East Bay, that did happen. So, and my mom said, you know what, you're closing escrow and you're 30 years old in two months, you nearly need to get out. But I made it um, at 30. I didn't say before. You know, well, I said by the time I turned 30. So I, it worked all out. And the point of the story is I'm doing something that I really enjoy. I get to educate people on the ins and out of a specific code that lets you really build wealth within your real estate portfolio. And for sometimes it's just a matter of getting rid of something that makes no sense or buying a dream home or that that special place in Tahoe or somewhere across the country. It's just a it's just a beautiful thing. Um, that in the beginning, I was thinking, I'm just pushing papers. I don't know what this right. is. Now, and, and now what, I, what, I, what, I, what I like is, you know, you said my calling. It's unfortunate that some folks that will go through their whole life and never really find out what their calling was. And the fact that you were able to find your calling, that is, it's, you know, it's, it's such a wonderful thing to be able to really do what you love. And same as me, you know, I've, I own a real estate company. Uh, I enjoy it, but my calling is more than that, you know, being more involved with the community and doing other things. But yeah, that's, that's wonderful. So, so uh, you've been doing this for 23 years now, correct? That's correct. Okay. And um, 1031 exchange, you know, we keep hearing that, you know, um, it might go away, but before we even talk about it, is it going to be around? Is it going to go away? Can you educate us a little about it now that after 23 years, you know so much and all the experience you have that goes with it. Educate our listeners. What is a 1031 exchange, please? Yeah, because this is what I hate, Alex. People, I haven't seen him for a while or I went to high school with them or college or they're just relatives. And they're like, what do you do for a living, James? I'm like, oh, God, I hate this question <laughs> because it's really difficult to really explain it. So I'm going to try to do my best here. So. It's an internal revenue code that allows you to do cool stuff. And here's the cool stuff. Um, I'm just going to use California as an example because 
people in California do this a lot. If you buy a piece of property, real estate in California, if you own it for a couple of years, especially decades, you're going to make a lot of money in terms of appreciation. The problem is if you sell it, you're going to pay a lot of taxes. Like I said, 30 cents, 30 to 40 cents on every dollar of gain. Now, the 1031 exchange is the internal revenue code that applies to real property. And when, what it means is, okay, so I bought this property many years ago for 100000 Today, it's worth a million. If I cash out, I'm losing like 300000 minimum on this property. But what I could also do is a 1031 exchange where I don't cash out. I don't take the money. I reinvest that money into another piece of investment property. So I mentioned real property in the beginning. So this 1031 code only applies to to real property that's used for a business or investment purpose. There's other codes out there for the property that you live in. There is no code for second homes, but for investment properties. And this is really huge, um, particularly in the Bay Area, over 35% of just the residential property qualifies for it. So let's go through a real quick example. Bought the property, we'll use me for an example, bought that East Bay property 21 years ago. And 21 years ago, I bought it for very little. And today it's worth a lot. But through that 21 years, I ended up getting married and she's like, uh, we're not living here. There's one bathroom. That's not going to cut it. And, and we're out. And so we moved somewhere else and we didn't sell it because we didn't want to. We started renting it and we've been renting that property for about 17 years now. And so this is a true investment property. But if we're going to sell it on the huge gain, we're going to lose so much money. So we have the unique opportunity to, to sell it and reinvest it into other investment property. Now for this property in particular, what we don't like is dealing with tenants. And there's an opportunity for us to get out of dealing with tenants and get into something that's very passive. So really quickly, what the 1031 exchange is, it's when I've owned investment property, I'm looking to unload the investment property. If I just take the money, I'm gonna pay a lot of capital gains tax. So instead of that, I'm going to reinvest it following certain guidelines into another piece of investment property anywhere in the United States, any type of investment property, as long as it's real property, it qualifies. And as long as I use all the money and buy of equal or greater value, I'll pay absolutely zero in capital gains tax. So it's really you're selling and buying investment property and not paying the piper. And it's a huge code that so many people use throughout the United States. Right. Right. Now, I now I understand, you know, me, my background being a CPL, you know, I know that if you own a property, you've lived there two out of the last five years. If you're married up to five, if you're 500,000 exemption, if you're single up to 250. But what about if you're living in a single family resident and now the home has gone up in about, a, you know, over 500,000 in equity and you are married, let's say it's 800,000 equity. Are you able to take that $500,000 exemption and the rest be able to do a 1031 exchange? Yes or no? Maybe. So I'm taking like the highway on that answer. So it depends on, on how the property is being treated. And I think this is a great question, Alex, because so many people in the Bay Area exceed the 250 or 500 very quickly. Yeah. And they, they call me, I want to do a 1031 exchange on the difference. And then I ask them, I go, so are you still living in the property? And they go, yeah, we're still living in the property, but the gain's over 250 or 500. That's all I can protect. And I tell them, unfortunately, you can't do a 1031 exchange on the difference. They go, well, what can I do? I go, what you could do is you could move out of the property, start renting it for one to two years, then sell it. 
The $500-$250,000 rule says you have to live in it two out of the last five years. So rent it for one to two years, however long your tax advisor is comfortable with. There's no black and white on that time frame. Then sell it. You still will get the $250,500 because you have lived in it two out of the last five years, and you can 1031 exchange everything else. It is huge, and it is this is very commonly used throughout the Bay Area in Northern California, as well as Southern California, because it's a great technique that can be used legally to pre- preserve all of the equity rather than paying taxes taxes on that additional three hundred thousand dollars. Now, yeah. James, with now, James, with all this money that's been you know um, uh, pushed into the economy with you know um, uh, the three trillion dollars, obviously, be, be, to get the businesses up and running and to help uh, uh, families, um, some you know eventually that money needs to be paid back. Do you think they're going to take away this 1031 exchange? Or do you think, do you see that even happening? In my 23 year career, every new president has pretty much threatened it. And as a matter of fact, when President Trump was in office, he did eliminate personal property exchanges. Uh, the real property exchanges obviously survived, but the personal property exchanges did go away. Uh, President Biden came out recently with a proposal to not eliminate it, but limit it. And this one is current right now. Um, To answer your question, the money that you would get from getting rid of the code makes no sense whatsoever. And that's even if everybody continued to cash out. But the reality is, if you limit the 1031 exchange, and the current proposal says we'd like to limit it to 500,000 with no definition behind that, so we don't really understand it, per property, per person, per year, per entity doesn't really have definition. So whatever they proposed would not stay as is if anything were to change. But the reality is if you take it away, people just won't sell their properties because the tax, what they couple with that. Okay. This made no sense to me. Let's get rid of the 1031 exchange or limit it. And then let's also increase capital gains taxes. Well then, you know, if, if I'm paying already 30 to 40% and now it might be 35 to 45 to 50%, these people are not going to sell their assets. So what's going to happen is that the real estate market will die. For for a commercial property, it'll it'll really die. For residential property, some people can still do the trades with that limitation. But when we we've, we've done the numbers, we actually hired Ernst and Young to do a study and the numbers are just horrible. Uh, they make no sense at all. Getting rid of it or limiting it will not boost the economy. As a matter of fact, it'll put it into a recession from a real estate perspective. So we we have submitted that. Uh, the proposal has been in effect for uh, or out there for I think about nine weeks now. Um, and and one of the congressmen said we need to get this done by the second week of July. Well, we're August seventh today. Nothing has been done. It also started with the House Ways and Means Committee which is predominantly controlled by the Democrats and they couldn't come up with anything. And you would think that when one, when the house has more control, they would come up with something. Now it's been pushed to the Senate finance committee and um, that's more 50, 50. Uh, We don't believe that anything is going to happen, but we don't take this lightly. It doesn't make sense in in any ways, uh, Alex, but I think sometimes what they do is they throw a bunch of things out there, see what will stick, see what makes sense. And they find out hopefully that, um, things that don't make sense should not stick. Unfortunately, we see sometimes things like that happen, but we're given our best efforts talking with people in Washington. We've already amassed over, I think it's 250,000 letters to go to our, our local congressmen, not in California, throughout the nation to let them know that this makes no sense. We can't do this. Right. So um, 
I hope nothing changes. I've seen the thread quite often. This is the first time I've seen a proposal like this to um, limit the 1031 exchange. But again, it makes no sense. So we're hoping that because it's been taking so long, nothing will occur. And that's what it's kind of leaning towards. But I don't take it lightly. Right. Now, I know that uh, with the inheritance, you know, you got this huge uh, transfer of wealth between the baby boomers to Generation X and millennials. You got a lot of money that's being transferred over. Um, but then let's talk about the basis. You know, that's another thing that they've thought about taking away is not not being able to give up that step up basis. Do you think that's going to happen? Well, let's step back a little bit. The motto for 1031 exchange, and I try to educate people, is to always build wealth within your real estate portfolio. It's not about paying the capital gains tax. But the second thing I always mention is buy till you die. Because right. from an estate planning perspective, in real estate, let's just use an example. I buy it for 100000 It's worth a million. If I sell it, huge gains. But if I die today... That 100000 original purchase price, let's just call that the basis, not the adjusted basis because it could have changed. That basis will go to current market value and my beneficiaries can then sell it in the future and their basis is a million. So if they sell it like the next day, once they inherit it, no capital gains tax. So what a lot of our investors do and what not even investors, just people in general, they hold their real estate because they know that when they die, the gains will be forgiven. If you get rid of that, you know, you're going to upset a lot of people. Um, I mean, when you when I start thinking about this, OK, let's increase capital gains tax. Let's get rid of the step up in basis and let's limit or eliminate the 1031 exchange. Th these are things that make the economy thrive, um, in, in our opinion, and keep generational wealth within families to, to see something like that pop up even as conversations with people in power, uh, it does scare me. And we are doing our best efforts to make sure that that does not happen as a, as a real estate community or a community in general. I personally think that if that does happen, it's going to destroy our economy. It would be, it would be the biggest mistake that could happen, I think. And, and we've done our best to educate them. It doesn't mean that we can stop them every time, but no. with our efforts. And this is not like, oh, hey, we better get on this now. This has been going on very actively for at least six years now that we've been getting in front of congressmen. So that's that's a good time. And most people said, oh, but what did you do during COVID? It was even better because we didn't have to right. go to the dinners. We were getting them on Zoom calls. So right. it was more personable. Now, um, I had a gentleman that reached out to me. He's got about $7 million worth of assets. And he said, you know, I'm 82 years old. Um, I, I want obviously all of this to go to my inheritance. Um, uh, uh, the folks that I have, you know, uh, my siblings and what have you, but, um, but I don't want to sell right now, obviously, because if I sell right now, you know, I'm going to have to pay all this capital gain, but at the same time, I want to, I don't want to manage my properties any, I don't want to manage them anymore. Beside 1031 exchange as someone that's, you know, wants to somehow cash out or, or do other things beside 1031 is there any other option beside 1031 exchange they well, don't want to buy other properties they don't want to get rid of a, a property with tenants and then get another one with tenants they just want out but they want to limit their having to pay that capital gain is there any other option i think i think an option and you would still use the 1031 exchange to facilitate it but i think yeah. the good option would be the delaware statutory trust or tenant in common interest 
in large commercial institutional property. So uh, this is very popular, by the way. I'm glad you brought that up, Alex, because I have many clients in the Bay Area that have owned properties forever and they're just done. I mean, right now people aren't paying rents because of COVID and they're they're done because of that. Or there's rent control in the state of California and they're done because of that. Or they're just tired of dealing with bad tenants and they're like, okay, I don't want to sell because I want my family to get the money and I'm going to lose about 35 to 40% of what I would give them if I just cash out. What can I do where I can keep the money, not have to worry about it, and all my beneficiaries will get what I think they that they deserve? And I think that the Delaware Statutory Trust would probably be the number one exit strategy for someone like this. And basically you sell your property, let's just use a million dollars. And now you're going to buy into a fractional interest in a large commercial institutional property. And there's a couple of different ways you can do this um, that I've seen as just examples. Number one, you come in with a million and you're buying, um, I don't know, one and a half percent of an $80 million, 400 unit apartment complex that was built two years ago. So the maintenance is low. The areas that they pick are very nice. There are none of these. Um, we're not going to pay the rent situations that you have in these scenarios. And people have a safe, secure building and there's no management responsibility. And they're basically called coupon clippers because they get a check each month in a secure investment with projected appreciation um, between 10 to 15% when they eventually do sell the asset where they can exchange into a similar product. That's one example, multifamily. Another one that was really kind of interesting to me, there was a warehouse that was being sold. And most people are saying, I don't want a warehouse. Well, you would if you heard about this warehouse, the tenant was Amazon. And when people hear that, they're like, oh my God, can I get a piece of that? That sold out in three hours. Now, this is not a small warehouse. This is wow. a huge warehouse. And people found out that that was the tenant. The offering sold out rather quickly. So those are you know, two examples of an industrial and a multifamily opportunity. But then you know, there's all these essential business opportunities in DSTs where uh, one of my clients bought into one DST that had six different properties. So kind of like a REIT. There's a, a variety of different properties in the fund, even though it's not really a fund. And the tenants were CBS, Rite Aid, medical office, self-storage, Hobby Lobby, Costco. Okay, I don't know about the Hobby Lobby, but all the others to me seem very essential. And I, I feel very confident with that no matter what these these products, these these um these tenants that you have with long leases are going to survive anything. And I feel comfortable and safe with that. Given that there's no investment property that is hundred percent guaranteed, but I really like my chances with something like that. But I think that answers your question, Alex, with a person that's like done built up a ton of equity and doesn't want to deal with bad people any longer. This is a perfect strategy I've talked. And you know, it's really weird. You can even buy into oil and mineral rights. And right now, the last time I look, I think gas is over $5 in the state of California. That's crazy. But the people that invested in that, how well are they doing in those funds? And it's, oh, yeah. it's deemed real property and it does qualify. So, I mean, th there's a lot of different opportunities like that right now. And I'd say about 30% of our clientele are doing something like that because they're just done and they don't want to pay the taxes and they really like the opportunity that they can get into something great like that. And James, this Delaware trust is recognized by the IRS, right? The IRS it's been, it's been given. blessed. There's revenue procedures that you have to meet certain guidelines, but the sponsors met since the early two thousands. So it's, it's coming on 20 years now. Okay, great. Now, um, 
what else is there anything anything else that we can cover with, with you know i mean we, we we really went into this deep which is awesome this I mean, is there, really there's just a couple of things that i want to make sure everyone understands there are three pieces of real property that do not qualify for the 1031 exchange i've mentioned a couple briefly so don't just think you can do the exchange number one the primary residence does not qualify for the exchange. You get the two fifty five hundred if you've lived there two out of the last five years. But on the it's a mixed use property. What do I mean by that? Well, what about a duplex? I live in one unit, rent the other one out. Well, the one I live in, I get the exclusion. The one I rent out, I can ten thirty one exchange. Or what about in certain areas? There's in laws or ADU units or casitas that are rented. The rental portion qualifies for a ten thirty one exchange. The primary portion does not. Same thing with farms and vineyards if you live there it's a mixed use property so the primary doesn't qualify a percent there's an added component especially for people that now work from home and claim their home office on their tax returns that is a 1031 exchange opportunity for that portion second thing is the second home doesn't qualify for a 1031 exchange so those tahoe homes don't qualify what you can do to get them to qualify rent it out a minimum of 14 days per year don't use it more than 14 days per year do that for two years then you can trade it. Selling a second home qualifies for nothing but paying taxes. And finally, the flipper property does not qualify. If I buy it and fix it and look to sell it, many people think that's an investment property, but in the eyes of the IRS, they say you have to operate it as investment property. So you're going to want to rent the property for one to two years before selling it, look to do a 1031 exchange. Other than that, everything else out there that's used for a business or investment purpose qualifies. So there's a lot of opportunity. So I want to make sure everybody understands that. And finally, Remember, we don't do a 1031 exchange not to pay the tax. If you don't want to pay the tax, don't sell or wait till you pass away. We do a 1031 exchange because that property is underperforming or that property is a problem. And we don't want to pay the taxes, of course, but we want to get to something better. That's, That's right. It. Now, James, if somebody wants to get hold of you, if they have to have more information, what's your contact? How can they get hold of you? Call me on my cell phone. It's the number that's here. If you can see the screen, if you can't, it is 415-640-0794. Or you can email me. Don't like giving it out because I have such a long name, but I will. It is James, J-A-M-E-S, period. Then my last name, which is spelled C as in cat, A-L-L-E-J-A-S as in Sam, at ipx1031.com and that's i is investment p is in property x is an x-ray 1031.com james i've done that I, a few times james i want to thank you very much i really appreciate your time um so guys do me a favor and watch our future episodes make sure you're listening and subscribing and even sharing with someone you think that might benefit from this episode of and the prior episodes Again, thank you guys very much for tuning in and listening and watching. And James, thank you. I appreciate you and your time. Thank you, Alex. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye.